What's going on, y'all? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official flagship podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com's network of podcasts. My name is Colton Denning, and I am coming to you early on Sunday morning, November 17th, 2019, for another episode of the show. I am nursing a very severe hangover from drinking Coors Light all day and then going to the Cal-USC game last night in Berkeley, which was a lot of fun. But we're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about Ohio State's 56-21 win over Rutgers yesterday. And I got to be honest with you folks, between the hangover and just honestly how boring that game was yesterday, we're just going to keep this one short and try to get through it as a family. That is, Those are my two goals for today, but uh, be sure to follow along with the show either on Twitter, at Holy Land Pod. You can send us any tweets, stuff to talk about on the show, especially for these recaps. want to get you guys really involved in the next uh, couple of weeks with the Penn State and Michigan games on deck, and then be sure to follow along either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Leave a review, leave a comment, leave some questions. Any sort of feedback helps. Uh, any Anything to help other people, other Ohio State fans, find the show and build this community. We're off to a really great start, and I, I really appreciate what you guys have done this year interacting with the show. Okay, let's talk about what we saw yesterday uh, in, in this game. Ohio State beats Rutgers 56-21. to Probably the craziest thing to say about this and where Ohio State is is that they beat Rutgers 56 to 21. They completely dominated, you know, when the starters were in the game and even when the backups were in the game. Rutgers scored 14 of their points in the second half when it was basically the game. This game was over after Sean Wade made that interception on Rutgers' first drive. That's when you could, I think, confidently say, like, okay, Ohio State has won this game, is when Sean Wade intercepted that ball early in the first quarter. They went down, scored right away and then Sean Wade with uh, another turnover uh, early in the game on that forced fumble and it was 14 nothing less than like four minutes into the game and at that point it was just kind of like they could have just sat the starters there and it would have been interesting to see how this game shook out if they just put in the second string when they were up 14 nothing but in, in all seriousness I, I don't know if there was like complaining after this game or whatnot I did see people were kind of just like eh very lackadaisical performance. I don't know if I would describe it as that, but I think people expected this game to be like 85 to nothing, especially after what we saw against Maryland last week. And, you know, I think my big takeaway from this game, my only takeaway from this game is that we can't really take away anything from it. Ohio State was probably in the most non-win situation that they've been in so far this year. And what I mean by that is, you know, what what did they have to gain against Rutgers yesterday? What what could we have learned about Ohio State? What could they have shown that made you think something about them? E- either way, I mean, unless they just completely bombed and this was a close game or, God forbid, Rutgers won, there, there was really no... There's nothing that could have happened yesterday where I would have been like, okay, that makes me more confident about something heading into the Michigan game outside of maybe like Garrett Wilson not fumbling that punt and it looking like they have any sort of stability at punt returner. Maybe that's the only thing because other than that, we couldn't have learned anything. It was really just a no win 
situation because you beat Rutgers 85 to nothing and it's like okay cool you were favored by 50 you're you're the best team in the country Rutgers is the worst power five in the power five team in the country like what what are you showing me that's so impressive we figured you would do that and then something like yesterday happens they win 56 to 21 control the game for the most part starters go out uh, at the end of the half and Justin Fields finishes 15 of 19 for 305 yards four touchdowns no interceptions. They, they don't even really run the ball. Uh, J.K. Dobbins has 17 carries, 89 yards, two touchdowns. He looks pretty good. Like, what happened yesterday where you could really have a strong takeaway? So that that's what I think about the game yesterday is just like I, I can't take anything away from it, really positive or negative, other than punt returner, like I said. It's just one of those games that you would probably have preferred to be early in this season that you could just get it out of the way with. But then again, maybe not because this is a good buffer. And I saw a couple people tweeted at us saying that either it felt like they looked ahead of Rutgers or they were just kind of going through the motions. And I think that that's fair. But also going back to it being a no-win situation, what are they supposed to do? Like I know that we, we want to dominate and, and not give up any points if Rutgers scores the touchdown early in the game where our boy 32 was he was back he logged on folks 32 was back after playing such a great great game against Maryland but even I can't take anything away from that I, I think it's only natural for there to be a little bit of a letdown in a situation like this no matter how good you are or how focused you are because that's that's one of the things I wrote down was that I don't think that they looked unfocused yesterday. I know that there was a little bit of sloppiness, but that just goes back to my point where I just think like there's there's really nothing they could have done. That's just the way that the schedule shakes out. No matter what, you're going to have a little bit of a letdown in a situation like this, especially when you know that Penn State and Michigan are next week. So really the key to this game was just like the Maryland game, you know, don't look bad. But don't get hurt as well, and that was the big thing. And I, and I know you can't really coach like this, but I, I think this game started after what happened to Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama with that injury. And I know that Ryan Day can't just be like, oh, that happened to Tua, so let's take Justin Fields out. But I'm sure they knew about it, and that has to play into your mind. I mean, you're only human, and what do you have to gain against leaving the starters in against Rutgers, running Justin Fields a bunch of times just to prove that, hey, he's he's fine. Our, our guys won't get hurt. So I, I, I don't want to say that that played into it at all because I think that that's just ridiculous. But I also think like it's only natural to look at that situation and whether it's the players or the coaches be like, hey, you know, we, we do understand that if we take care of business, we're going to win pretty big. It's it's only natural to not have your foot completely on the gas pedal yesterday. So that's how I feel about the game in general. It's another nice win. It's not one that, that I'll really go back and watch other than just highlights here and there. Chris Olave had a really nice game. It was great to see that he finally uh, had his first 100-yard game. He, he deserves those big numbers because we see how great he plays on a week-to-week basis but to see him go four catches for 139 yards is a uh, pretty pretty spectacular and when you put the cherry on the top with that that catch he made with his uh with his legs just unbelievable catch down the field it was nice to see Ohio State did take some deep shots 
yesterday. Maybe maybe that was something that stuck out. They didn't always hit on him. Justin Fields overthrew a couple guys, and I th- think on that ball probably underthrew Chris Olave. But it was great to to see that. Okay, they they just like last week I talked about how uh, games like this, games like Maryland, you can't really do a lot of things offensively, but you can add in little wrinkles to make Penn State and Michigan, make those defensive coaching staffs watch that film and be like, oh, okay, well, that's something to note. They haven't done that before. Why were they doing that against Rutgers or Maryland? And I think the last couple of weeks they have done that, especially with taking some shots down the field. They worked on that a little bit and just gives defensive coordinators, defensive staff and and players for Michigan and Penn State something else to look for. So I think that was probably the purpose of that. And it was, it's, it's encouraging that Olave could go up and get it. And uh, Benjamin Victor, also a nice day, five catches, 68 yards and two touchdowns. KJ Hill as well. He's coming for that receptions record. So hopefully he's able to set that in the next couple of weeks. But I thought overall for the offense and just the team in general, it, it was a solid day. The same thing like with Maryland, if they really wanted to, they probably could have scored 80 points and they, they only put up 56. That's how ridiculous they are. But I would be um, I would be less encouraged if the offense didn't respond to some of those slogs that they had yesterday. Because when you, you look at it in totality, they still averaged 10 yards per play in the first half. And I think overall it was like 7 yards per play in Rutgers. It's not like Rutgers, even against the backups, was moving the ball well. They had 3.5 yards per play yesterday. So I thought... Both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively, they took care of business. Sean Wade had a huge game on defense. Couldn't really take away much from the defensive line. Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison still getting their reps with Chase Young out. But now that he's back for this Penn State game, I think you'll see a little bit more of an aggressive Ohio State defense. And uh, I think they'll be ready to go. There was, there was nothing from yesterday that... I learned new about this defense. Middle linebacker is still a concern, and you're about to play two teams that are exponentially more athletic than what you've seen, basically, if not for the last month, then for the last uh, for the last couple of months, or even the whole season. That's, that's really what I'm getting at. Michigan and Penn State are, are the two most athletic teams that Ohio State will have played this year, and, and I do think that they're going to have a little bit of success up the middle, and it's, and it's up to... Wade and, and Jordan Fuller and Damon Arnett, who will be back this week. Uh, it's up to them to make plays. And if they do what Sean Wade did and force a couple of early turnovers against Penn State, then I, I really think you're going to start to see uh, this team roll. So I'm encouraged by, you know, or I'm not discouraged by anything that we saw yesterday, even if it did kind of just look like they just had to grind through it. I think that that's it's only natural. I hope that wasn't too long-winded and I wasn't just repeating myself over and over again like I can tend to do. But the only other real uh, takeaways that I had from this game or the only other stuff that I had written down were Kayvon Pope's interception, uh, another nice play. Whether it's starters or backup, I think those type of havoc plays translate and that shows you just how aggressive a player is and and how much of a playmaker a player is. So I, I don't care that it was in the second half against Rutgers and a just a super bad Rutgers offense but uh Kayvon Pope to make an athletic play like that where he tips the ball up and picks it up that uh that's very promising 
for the future. And I'm, I'd be barking up the wrong tree to just be like, hey, I, I hope Kayvon Pope gets more run, especially since Penn State and Michigan are the next two games. So that's not going to happen unless it's those are blowouts. But I, I think Kayvon Pope is a name to watch out for in the future because when you have a guy make an athletic play like that, like I said, that translates really well. And then just a cool stat, the offense had 28 points in their first 19 snaps. So that that really just goes to show how out of hand this game was right from the beginning. And uh, it was just, it was such a mismatch. And uh, just to go back to the point of it being a no-win situation, I think that really encapsulates it all. When, When you are able to you already know you're going to blow this team out. I mean, everybody knows it. You know you're better. You know all you have to do is come in, stay focused, and take care of business. And you have 28 points through the first 19 offensive snaps. It's super hard to maintain uh, just a high level of like, hey, let's keep doing that through the whole game. Especially when you know that, hey, you're going to you're gonna be out of the game here in a second. It's not like the starters could really go through this one like hey let's keep piling on let's keep doing it I mean you want to keep scoring but they know that they're going to be taken out because if that if that happens against Penn State if they get up 28 to nothing if that it it just snowballs early the starters at least know like hey we're going to probably be in here until the start of the fourth quarter we're going to want to put this one away so you can keep that intensity level up but in a game like this against Rutgers even when you get off to a super hot start it's almost impossible to just maintain that momentum. And we, we did see that a little bit against Maryland last week, but I also think this Maryland team is a little bit better <laughs> than, than this Rutgers team. They are, they are really, really bad. And I was, I was watching the game with my girlfriend, and I just like I struggled to think of, I was telling her, like, I can't think of any player that's on this Rutgers team. And like, I'm probably like you guys, I watch a lot of college football and Rutgers is a power five team as much as we want to make fun of them. Like they're a big 10 team. And I can't think of one dude on that roster who I was like, this guy's a player. Like this guy's really good. Um, and, and that just, that's where Rutgers is at right now. So even from just watching the game, it was just one of those where it's like, okay, it's an Ohio state game. Let's have fun for three hours and get this one over with. But that one really, it really <laughs> dragged a lot. That could have been a running clock game. So those are, those are, that's pretty much it, man. Those are my thoughts about yesterday's game. I just, I can't go too overboard, whether it's them looking a little sluggish in the second quarter or, you know, how Chris Chuganov looked. It, it, even the backups didn't look that great. You know, Master Teague didn't have a, a great day running the ball. The offensive line, I don't think, had... They didn't have their best day run blocking, whether it was the starters or the second string. Although J.K. Dobbins had some really, really nice runs. If if he would have played three quarters, he probably would have had 250 yards just based off the way he was seeing holes and juking dudes. But... Then again, you, you just don't need that. So if there's one disappointment, it's that that the run game couldn't really pad their stats. But like I was shocked this morning when I looked at the box score and saw that Justin Fields actually had 300 yards passing. That seemed like a very... I always relate this back to the old NCAA video games. And if, if you guys have played a lot and you play overmatched teams, you know that like that sort of stat line is what you have in NCAA where you can go 15 of 19 but you're probably going for like 180 yards and four touchdowns. So when I saw that he had 305 yards passing, I was shocked. So really, like, it's it's fun for Justin Fields to to have a 300-yard passing day in a situation like this. And I think 
Um, his stats now, I think he has 30 touchdowns and only one interception, which is just amazing. And I think he could stand to be a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, 31 touchdowns, one interceptions, one interception, and averaging about nine and a half yards per attempt. So Justin Fields, man, just just going back to that, and that's this is something we'll talk about um, pre. Big Ten championship game or pre-bowl game, whatever it is, once the regular season ends and maybe even after the Big Ten title game, if they if they win the East, we'll just kind of recap the whole season and talk about things we were surprised with. And Justin Fields being so consistent, I think it is one of those things. So 31 touchdowns, one interception. That's absolutely amazing. So shout out to Justin Fields. Nice little stat padding game for him. So what we're going to do now, since that's that's pretty much it, I don't want to talk about this game anymore. I, th- I think that 15 minutes is good enough to recap that one. I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll get to the comments we, uh, we got about the game and a uh, little discussion or I guess a little preview of the Penn State game and uh, where we stand next week from what you guys sent to us at Holy Land Pod. That'll be right here in a second, right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. Welcome back into the Hangout in the Holy Land. I am Colton Denning, and this is the part of the show where we get you involved and start answering your questions and get to your thoughts about the game. And I, I think I said on the tweet yesterday, like, let's just start previewing Penn State and Michigan right now. And uh, you guys had some thoughts about that and uh, the game yesterday. So let's let's get right to it. And this is a host of people who interact with the show each week. So love to see your guys' feedback uh, each and every week and, and start to build a little bit of a listenership here. So let's get right to it. Uh, we'll start with Buckeye913, who says, let's theorize that Chug's girlfriend broke up with him this week. Uh, yeah, anything to justify whatever that was. Chris Chuganov, 5 of 14, 61 yards, two touchdowns. It was, at this second half, was it was a tough, tough watch. Because like I said, Ohio State wasn't even really running the ball particularly well or like generating a a ton of big plays or anything. Jamison Williams didn't have a catch. I think he had a drop and and Garrett Wilson only had one catch for 13 yards. So like even the the second half, it felt like the coaching staff was just kind of not going through the motions. That's so cliche, but it was just like, okay, let's, let's get this one over with. So any way we can theorize whatever that second half was uh, the better to me, Greg Frisch has some thoughts about Justin Fields. He says, Fields threw better with defenders in his face. That said, his first two to three drives didn't inspire confidence that he can throw a player open. I'm hoping he was playing super conservative today and that he can make a big player to the next two weeks. Yeah, I, I think there was definitely some conservative. Uh, there was a conservative nature to the way that he played. And really, going back to what I said about his touchdown to interception ratio, that's kind of been his thing all season is making the smart play, throwing the ball out of bounds. And that can be a little frustrating at times to, to not see them take shots. But again, he's in his first year as as a starter. This was a new system for him. And I think next season, you'll see his interceptions are for sure going to go up next season just by virtue of you. You're not just going to have a, a one interception season uh, the, next, the next year. And we'll see if he tosses any picks against Penn State or Michigan. But I think that next year, they'll probably be more aggressive. And if they make the playoff. I think that they'll be more aggressive. You'll see them work on a lot of things during that 
time period between the Big Ten Championship and the playoff if they're they're able to make that. And even if they don't, whatever bowl game they play in, you'll see a lot more, I think, of an aggressive nature in that after they, they get through bowl practices. So I think that they kind of just... They just they, they played the way they played yesterday, if that even makes sense, is that they just kind of had a game plan that was probably a little bit vanilla, and there was no reason for, for Justin Fields to go big play hunting. So I, I still think I'm definitely with you, Greg, on that I, I don't think as of right now he can consistently throw guys open, and, and that's going to be something he's going to have to do against Penn State and Michigan. But I also think that we, we didn't really need to see him do that, or that wasn't something they really were working on. But I don't know. We'll see here uh, next week against a much better defense, two of the best defenses in the country. So we'll, we'll see if Justin Fields can generate more of those big plays. And uh, for, for those of us, which is I think all of us that have been waiting to see whether Fields is going to be a bigger part in the run game, these are the two weeks that they made it to this portion of the season without one, Justin Fields getting hurt and, and really worrying about it, two, having to run fields a ton and I guess three being being able to save that they haven't really shown that to defenses at all maybe a little bit in the Michigan State game in the second quarter but other than that they they haven't put that out on tape and uh, maybe we'll see a lot more of that this week because I think that they're going to need fields and his ability to run so we're going to see a lot more of that athletic ability over these last two games Eddie chimes in and says did it feel like the Buckeyes were also previewing Penn State and Michigan this past week? Yep, definitely. That's it. That it did have that sort of feel. And no matter what, even even if you're Alabama's best team under Nick Saban, I think like like I said, it's it's really hard to play a game like that where honestly you just you kind of have nothing to gain. And I thought for the situation that they were in. They, they did well because they heard all week that, hey, you, you should beat this team by 80. You're favored by 50. And for the most part, they took care of business, even if it was a little bit sloppy here or there. Um, Brandon says, I'd like to say we got caught looking ahead and didn't have much to play for. Those are my thoughts. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you, Brandon. I think that that's kind of everything that, that I thought about the game. And I've said it here on this podcast is they didn't have much to play for. They took care of business. Uh, Reggie Allen Rose also chimes in and says, does this team ever practice catching punts? Yeah, that's that's the last thing. And, and the thing that I really said was my only big concern about them, and, and not even just what we saw yesterday, but what we've seen all season. For the amount of athletes that Ohio State has, and this this is something that I think we've talked about for the last couple of seasons, for the amount of athletes that they have and the amount of game breakers it really is just kind of odd that nobody settled in at punt returner since Jalen Marshall, really. Like, they, they haven't had anybody. And, like, even Jalen Marshall was, like, an adventure, but they haven't even had anybody like that. I mean, there was a point last year where C.J. Saunders was returning punts and just letting them bounce. And that was really kind of what they had Garrett Wilson do after that fumble. And it doesn't, you know, they don't trust Mario McCall. They don't seem like they trust Garrett Wilson as of now just because he's so young but we've we've seen the flashes it's just a matter of consistency and that's really what we saw yesterday with the fumble is the last thing that they can afford that's the that's the last thing you want to see heading into those two games is like damn we we have this young player 
and that's what the that's the last lasting image you're going to give us before the Michigan and Penn State games. So I think you'll see them be very conservative uh, these next two weeks when it comes to punt returner. And those are the type of plays that can change a game. You know, they they honestly like. I hate to say this because any team can lose to anybody, especially when they're really good. Like, don't confuse it. Penn State and Michigan are two, I think, very good teams. I don't know if they're elite. Michigan's certainly not elite. I I think that Penn State is on a rung lower than Ohio State, but don't get it confused. They are both two very good teams, and the margin for error is small. And if you have a play where Garrett Wilson or somebody else fumbles a punt, that's the type of play that can lose Ohio State a game against teams like this. So I don't know what they're going to do. And at this point, it's just like, hey, don't fumble it. That's that's really your best course of action at punt returner as of right now. And you just, you hope that it's better in 2020. So that's kind of the lone sore spot, I think, right now for this team is, is punt returner. That's all we got for questions and comments today. Uh, unsurprisingly, people weren't keen on the idea of like, hey, let's really Let's dive into the Rutgers game and and really recap that one and, and, and have some some deep thoughts about the Rutgers game. So I don't blame you guys for not being in, engaged with the show. And quite honestly, there was there, there's no more about this game that I want to talk about. It's time to start getting ready for Penn State and uh, this, this stretch run of the season, which should be really fun. And that's what we're going to do on Wednesday. We're going to have that preview show. Hopefully, I'll be chatting with somebody from uh, Black Shoe Diaries, the our sister blog over at uh, SB Nation for Penn State. Talk to somebody from Black Shoe Diaries, get the lowdown on Penn State and where they think uh, Penn State matches up best or what, what that matchup is with Ohio State from a Penn State fan's perspective. So be on the lookout for that. That's coming out Wednesday. And of course, we will have the recap show. That's one that I will do right after the Penn State game, especially since it's a morning game. So that'll be on Saturday. Stay involved with the show. Send your tweets and your your thoughts about that game after it happens to at Holy Land Pod and interact with us there. But until then, I want to thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to follow along on Apple and on Spotify. I will be back on Wednesday. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and have a a great finish to your weekend as we start another week. Thanks one last time for listening to the show. My name is Colton Denning and this is the Hangout in the Holy Land.